three, live from Dubai, UAE, Bridging the Gap podcast, Common Sense, right? That was the last episode that we talked about. Um, sitting here these last couple of days, JK, watching uh, the political was movie <laughs> sitcom go on at home. It's it's kind of hard to think, like, or to even ignore the fact that, man, majority of the adults in this world don't have any common sense at all, right? I hate to start the podcast just like that, but I know Coach was up for, like, six hours last night with the time difference going back and forth with people about, you know, the current election. Man, did you get any sleep, man? Uh, I haven't slept in like two or three days just uh, <laughs> dealing with the election and, um, you know, waiting on the, uh, of course, the uh, results, but also what could transpire, um, you know, no matter who wins or loses. Yeah. Um, because we're in a, a fragile state right now in the U.S. where, um, <clears throat> you know, we don't, anything can happen. You know, mm-hmm. you you probably phrased it the right way by saying political movie. Yeah. Um, because, uh it is, there are a lot of theatrics going on now. And, um, and some people are taking it to heart, um, and everything literally. And, um, that we're in a dangerous space right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, with that being said, I am happy that I am here. Right. I told my family a while ago, I was like, look, I told them actually, I told them maybe like two, three years ago, I was like, my dream is to have a foreign estate and live outside of the U S for at least six months out of the year. Right without knowing that one day I'd be here in Dubai and calling it home, right? So I told my mom, my bro, my best friend, my sis, I said, listen, with with what we got going on over here, you just keep steadfast. We're going to leave. (laughs) I'm going to build something in Dubai, somewhere in Bali, somewhere. We're going to get up out of there. There's no worries. The world is our oyster, as they say. (laughs) Well, um, let me start again by saying thank you guys for tuning in, for listening. Um, this is Bridging the Gap podcast with the OG, triple OG, Julian King. I'm his uh, young mentee, former player, now business partner, Ryan Yates. Um, it's a relationship that has been brewing for over a decade now, and we're letting you guys in on some of the conversations we have with each other all the time. Um, for all of our listeners, all of our Hoop Mountain family here in Dubai, people that aren't a part of the family yet but want to be, remember you can always find us in a gym somewhere near you. Um, you can come and check out our website, hoopmountain.ae, our Instagram page, Hoop Mountain DXB. A lot of dope content coming. I have we have a great, great young intern on our team who, if he can stand the pressure, because we put pressure on those around us and we expect great things, that he's going to be contributing some amazing content and blossoming into a star of his own. Young Ethan, be prepared. We have some cool things coming for you guys for the podcast and for Hoop Mountain. Um, and again, you can contact us through WhatsApp. Our information is on our website and on Instagram. Um so let's get into it, King. Let's check in first. How how you feeling mentally, physically, spiritually? How's that going? I'm exhausted. I'm happy to be here today, but I'm exhausted just based on the last three or four days of what's been going on and, and trying to keep an eye on things. But I'm 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 happy to be here for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now you you're a guy that I've watched you work yourself 
to the bone sometimes, right? What have you been doing to make sure that you get some time where you, you know, relaxing out, chilling, you know, not screaming at me? Because what you do is, <laughs> you know, you know I can take it. So you get frustrated with the rest of the world. You, you're throwing that out on me, and I got to catch that fire, which is cool. You know, sometimes we got to know what role we play. But what you're doing to make sure that I don't get Jupac and I get uh, – Julian King. <laughs> well, you know, I'm, um, and you're always joking me about this. I'm always listening to my soft jazz and alternative music and things like that, just to uh, just to relax and um, just take a moment to turn the lights off, turn off all the electronic devices, and get a chance to zone out a little bit um, and have some alone time. True, true, man. Last night, guys. Oh, yesterday, coach dragged me to um, to Dragon Mart, right? Dragon Mart is is this hidden gem that we wish we knew about at when we first landed in Dubai, right? Because there's so many things you got to get when you first land, trying to get accommodated and things. And we were just going to every store trying to get stuff. Like the, every grocery store we saw, didn't know what was what, just buying stuff, right? Pretty expensive at first, but we didn't know any better. A year later, a whole year later, we find Dragon Mart, right? Dragon Mart is like a huge like thrift store flea market type of thing that gets you any and everything you need from pipes for plumbing, <laughs> your ceiling lights, down to socks, everything, everything at a bargain price. And you can talk all the prices down. Coach dragged me there last uh, yesterday evening, afternoon, on our day off when I didn't want to see him at all into the podcast to go fix the projector thing, right? We got projectors in here that we've been using instead of TVs. I mean, you know, it's been a pretty good setup, but man, we in there had to calm down a few times. I'm like, yo, big guy, let's let's make it out of here, you know, with a smile on our face, man. <laughs> also, he could watch CNN. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, you know, uh, going to Dragon Mart, that's a perfect place, you know, when you are, are watching every dollar that you have yeah. and, um, you know, you know, no matter what you pay for something, you always want um, you want the best quality for what you pay for. And you want you know, you want good service. So um, with all the, the different vendors in Dragon Mart, which are very good, by the way, mm-hmm. there's always one or two that that slip <laughs> yeah, up here yeah, and there. Yeah. You know, you just got to make sure you get things right, because that's a that's a long drive to get out there. Yes, Lord. But but the one thing is, is like and this is one of those little things as. I'm learning as being a business, um, you know, building a business and things like that. When you're international, you have to prepare for how your business is going to grow. Right. And that means bringing in more coaches and, and more, um, you know, employees. Some for coaches, most all of ours will, pro- will come from the States. Right. But you got to account for how you're going to help them transition, right? Like, where are we going to point them to to get all of their, you know, their household needs and everything so they can feel comfortable? And we had to take that hit when we first got here. We had to, you know, roll with the punches and, and walk into some stores and be like, yo, is this what it is? Like, had some trouble getting that together. But, you know, we, uh, how, how Hove said, Hove did that so you wouldn't have to, right? We went through all of that already. So, you know, that's one of those things that, um, that's been cool about this journey and us being present and, and me having the wisdom of uh, my OG around and me having some foresight as well, knowing that within the chaos, there's also uh, big lessons to be learned, right? So like the little things like finding the dragon mark. So when we have 
our next coaches come in as we grow our our um our brand, they'll be able to easily transition and get things together for their place. But that Dragon Mart trip is something special every <laughs> time, right? And this is even in the midst of of um COVID to where it's still a reduced place. Um but I'm glad you're feeling good though. Um that's important. Also, I do want to, I got to give you your props, man. Coach King is a big donut guy, right? Like since I was young, like since we were, I remember he used to pick me up and drag me to to workouts at like six, seven in the morning, like on weekends, right? When the rest of the team chilling, I'm on weekends going to the gym with him in Baltimore somewhere from Alexandria. And he stops and gets at all places. He stops at shoppers. Everybody back home knows what shoppers is. And shoppers got these gigantic donuts. Right, he'll get six of them and an orange juice, and won't give me one. He'll throw me a little granola bar or something, and then just chomp on them the whole forty-five minute ride down. Right, but but that being said, coach coach has been watching his his uh, sugar consumption now here. I got to give him his props, man. We've been back in the gym, and I could I know he itching. I know he itching to grab a cupcake or something. I just want to let you know, big guy, you deserve it this weekend, man. You deserve it this weekend. I'm going to the gym right after this myself because I had some cheesecake last night. But you know, I got to let you know you. Been, I've been seeing you, man. I've been seeing. <laughs> well, you know, I've always put my work in, but I always made sure I enjoyed myself outside of work because I spent so many years watching my diet and stuff. You know. I'm not like you guys now. I no longer play for pay. Yeah. So I can enjoy myself a little bit. And whenever I never, uh, I didn't give you guys uh, the donuts that I had. Hey, I was making sure I watched out for your health. Cause you <laughs> you got to be eating a certain way. Man, cut it out, man. <laughs> cut it out, man. You were watching out. You was being greedy. That's what that was, right? But nah, um, I'm, my, for me checking in, I feel good too, man. Um, you know, work-wise, you know, everything We've been trying, kind of playing from behind. Like, I, if we put it in basketball terms, we started the game off down thirty. <laughs> so, so right now we've managed to make it a uh, um, four possession game going into crunch time, and I like our chances. Right. So right now we're catching up on things. Um, me, I'm trying to catch up on some of the the marketing and content design and curation things. You know, when COVID ha- hits. It just hits everything. Budgets could cut, you know, like ideas break down, but I've got a good team. So, and a lot of support between our investors and our um, owner and everything. So I'm feeling good about what we got coming forward. I finally got to breathe a little bit. So that's been good. Um, working out and still still going strong with the swim classes. My freestyle game is getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. It's, it's not bad. Um, it's therapeutic too, man. You talk about how much time we spend on our feet, running around and everything, getting that time in the pool feels real, real good. Um, so I'm feeling good. Back reading my book a month. Right now I'm reading The, um, the Water Dancer. A little bit slow, but I like Ta-Nehisi Coates as a writer. So so those are little things that I love. And you know, I'm a huge music guy. We'll have we'll have an episode dedicated to music because the old, the old heads they really don't give us our props for our generation of music they go crazy. But but shout out to Buster though we we did listen to Buster Rhymes' album and you know that that took OG back to this to this early nineties you know and that was fun. So you know with music and everything we and Ti Ti albums is too. I've been telling you yeah Ti Ti I don't miss though Ti don't ever give us bad work Ti one of those guys that's a um. You know, consistency is his strength, right? So that's been dope. 
But you know what? This this past week, because work has been so crazy, we've had um, we've had days to where you've had to do some of the, the training alone, and I've had to stay in the, in the office and stay in one well, the office is our apartment and do like three hours of media work and things like that, mainly for like the SSA stuff. But we got a young man that we're working out and um, we're counseling. Mainly you're doing the counseling. I'm coming in to do some assistance with the working out. Um, and we're, we're, he has, he has some talent. He has, he has a chance, you know, he has a chance to, to make something of himself, right? As we'll say, um, right now he might be a scrub, but he's a scrub with potential, right? <laughs> but he can, he can really do some things. Really, really, really great kid. His parents did a great job with him. Well mannered, um, you know, uh, eager to learn. Um, but what we're helping him do is kind of fulfill his basketball dreams. You know, basketball is one of those sports to where you only can reach your fully, fullest potential if you're in an environment that challenges you, right? So, you're like, you got to be around. If you want to be great, if you want to be a college basketball player or you want to be a pro, you don't need to surround yourself around guys that just take it as a, a just for fun or I'm here because it's cool. You need to be around some people that are challenging you, right? So this young man – we saw something in him, you know, and in the last podcast I said that if a player wants to be great, it's always their decision. They'll let you know. And once they let you know, then it's our job to take you to that place. So he let us know that he wanted to to do something with himself. So we've been, you know, working on getting him prepared to, to go to the States to continue his journey and step into new lights. But within that, that journey, we have uh, interesting conversations, right? Like, you know, this young man is, is I think he's Serbian, is from Serbia. His parents are from Serbia. Um, he's growing up here in Dubai. Um, and you, as you know, there is no basketball culture here at all, right? There's, there are basketball programs, people teaching basketball, but there's no basketball culture, right? So we have, we talk to him about everything, like locker room dynamics, you know, some, how things go in practice, um, how you have to turn the switch on and off about, you know, when your teammate is your friend and when your teammate is somebody that you're like, you know, I got to get my minute. So he's somebody I got to attack all the time. But that led me to think about one of the more interesting things, right? Basketball, I always tell our parents and I tell our kids, is the, I think, the greatest metaphor for life, right? Like in that locker room, as a coach or as a player, you have, let's say it's 15 people on the team, you have 15 completely different personalities, right? Like crazy, crazy people, everybody from different backgrounds. And I know, um, you know, having different teammates from like different parts of the world was crazy too. But talk talk to me about that with your, you know, 30 plus years experience as a coach, as a player. Like what are your favorite type of teammates or what type of teammates did you run into that you'll never forget? And, and how was the locker room like for you as a player from, from high school on up to college to pros to coaching high school, coaching pros? Um, you know, you talk about the, the high school locker room. This is, um, this is a little different for me because, uh, you know, when you're in high school, a lot of times uh, there aren't many players on that team that have, the same aspirations that you may have in terms of they may not have dreamed of going to uh, potentially going to college and, and, and playing uh, beyond high school. So, you know, the, the dynamic is a little different 
where uh, they may not take it as seriously as you uh, you do. And so um, but um, the, the key thing is, do you get along with everybody? And I did get along with everybody and on my high school team. You know, we've of course we had our moments, but overall, most times, uh, we, you know, we got along, we had fun. And that's the key thing to it, whether it's high school, college, professionally, rec league or whatever. You just want to make sure that on and off the court, you guys can coexist. Because if you can't coexist, um, nothing, you know, the coach, um, coaching staff um, wants to achieve is going to uh, is going to work because you guys have to know um, each other. You have to trust each other. And you have to you have to like each other to a certain point, you know, and, um, um, you know, the things that you do in that locker room sometimes can make or break your season. Um, and you know that better than anybody. Um, you know, there's going to be different guys from um, uh, different backgrounds in life, you know, financially, musically, culturally, um, you know, and, and just whatever their their goals are. And um, that locker room sometimes is a place where you can find common ground where everybody's just a player. Everybody's just um, there for, um, you know, playing on the team, um, getting through and, um, you know, and, and supporting each other. And, um, you know, the locker room is a special place. You know, and you, you hear people all the time talk about don't violate the, the locker room code, which is, you know, whatever happens in the locker room stays in the locker room. And, you know, a lot of times um, coaches uh, love the fact that a lot of the issues the team will have is, you know, they're handled in the locker room, you know, good or bad. That's um, <laughs> we talk about. Man, it just brought back so many memories. I remember in college, right? In college, maybe my junior year in college, we had my college team was that locker room was unlike anything I've ever been in, right? So I come from in high school and in AAU, my locker room was pretty much the same, right? We in the DC metropolitan area in Alexandria. So TC you know, all of us coming from similar background and then we have, um, you know, similar interests about everything. Right. So we always had time to where, you know, we sat and talked, we chilled, you know, we we talked to some of the similar girls. We go to the same parties, you know, things like that. We listen to the same music. You know, we've we fought each other in practices before, but it's cool because it's like we understand what's on the court. It's on the court. Right. And afterwards, we all can go kick it together, chilling. No issue at all. Just having fun. Right. But then I get to college. Well, actually, before I got to college, I went to prep school. Right. Prep school is when things really started to, to broaden. Right. I had um, I had a roommate from Arizona or a teammate from Arizona teammate from Washington, um, like not Washington, D.C., like Washington State. Um, I had a teammate from, from Delaware, from Philly, um, several different places. Everywhere was from different places, right? And then I had, like, in, in the middle of the season, my, I had a teammate come in from Turkey, right? He was a big Ozzy. That was my guy. Big Ozzy. He When he came in, my, um, my roommate at the time was from North Carolina, um, and then that was a time when you still put each other on the music. So I hadn't heard of J. Cole yet. Right. So I had a teammate from Philly, a couple of teammates from Philly who put me on a meek meal. And it's like 2010, 2011. They put me on the meek. My North Carolina teammate put me on the, um, the J. Cole. 
And then my, then me, we were putting our, um, me and my guy Chris, who went to Friendship Collegiate, we were putting everybody on the go-go and Wale, because you know those are regional things before social media blended the world, right? So my my coach came to me one day. It's like, look, we got a guy coming in from Turkey, and I can't put him with anybody else but you. I'm like, what you mean, man? Like, cause this is a military place. Like, we it was the worst experience of my life, basketball wise. But and for all of us, it was terrible. But he was like, look, I can't put him nowhere else but with you, right? And here comes this guy Ozzy. He was teammates with Ennis Cantor, um, in Turkey, right? So you know, I'm hearing all these different stories, big language barrier, whatever. And we're we're in here trying to you know adjust to things. And what we end up finding out is that a lot of us are are more alike than we think even with the, you know, the the cultural differences, right? I mean, even Ozzy got into a fight with a teammate in practice, right? I got into a fight with a teammate in practice and we got with it, right? But one of the one of the biggest things that happened to me was in college, junior year, right? I remember by this time as a junior, I'm I'm a coach I'm like I'm like the coach's extension, right? Like with all the me and my coach used to I like I cursed my coach out in the middle of a game as a freshman. A sophomore like we had we had we had some we had some issues right but you know we we grew a strong relationship to where like a lot of things he let me handle so I remember my junior year we had like nine freshmen or something like that um and I remember coming into the locker room one day and one of the freshmen had got his hand broken hand broken or, or something that happened right and I get into the locker room. It was a Saturday morning, right after Friday night. So, you know, college is going crazy. I get into the locker room, and everybody in there looking crazy, right? And I remember waking up with a whole bunch of text messages and stuff. And I'm like, man, what happened? And in my locker room in college, we got guys that come to the games in cowboy boots, cowboy hat, Wrangler jeans, and a flannel with dip in their mouth. Like, we got, like, three of them. We got three of them, four or five from Richmond. We got a couple from D.C. Like, we got a wild locker room, Right. So I remember they saying so and so got got heated because so and so on the team messing with his girl, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, yo, you you jeopardize your season punching the wall for for some stuff like this. So I immediately go into crisis control because when something happens, you got to go out there, you got to say something to the to the crowd. So I go talk to coach. I'm like, coach, this is what happened. I said, but this is what we're going to tell everybody who asks. <laughs> He's like, all right, cool. You just handle it in the locker room. Make sure when they get in practice, I don't have to hear nothing about it. And we just go on. We went on to have a good season. Um, you know, things like that happen. But that's like the dynamic of the locker room that people don't talk about. Like, they fight. People mess with each other. Girls, people do things that they don't like. But you got to have somebody in there who can, like, you know, tame everybody and say, look, all right, right here is where we end it. Whatever beef y'all going to have, y'all have it after the court. But when we play, we got to be soldiers. We got to be together. But I remember those type of moments all the time, man. Like, what's going on? You can't, all these all these different things out here to do. Why are you messing with your brother's territory? What about you, JK? What's your locker room is like as a player? Because you, you've been playing it safe. And I know all your homies are listening. Everybody back home is like, JK is giving the real safe one. I know you were, I know you might have caused the problems in the locker room, to be honest. Especially at Temple. You had some I know you was giving some. Well, I'll say this. At at Temple, um, being a young buck and with so many great uh players there and um the discipline that coach had on the uh on the program. Nah, I didn't I didn't cause too many problems in the locker room there. Because <laughs> right? trust me, it will get dealt with um behind closed doors. Um 
copping a little, you know, I'm a little older, you know, a little wiser, so to speak, and um, probably more of a smart ass. And um, I, I, I had some issues there um, just because, you know, when you transfer, uh, you know, you, you get into that rebellious period. Um, but, um, you know, I won't get into that right now, but I'll say this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a story. That's a movie. It is over. That is a movie. For I'm going to sure. get him to say I'm going to get him to say about it, though, because I know the real you. <laughs> but um, I, I'll say one particular instance. Um, professionally, I was playing in Argentina and um I had this one teammate, he was um, a local Argentinian guy, and um, he was a big guy, about 6'9", and um, <clears throat> he was our best post player. And um, if he didn't smoke a cigarette at halftime, <laughs> he absolutely played terribly the second half because he needed, that was his way of relaxing and, and getting into the game. And so um, we had just gotten a new coach, and uh, this coach is very strict. And um, wouldn't allow smoking in the locker room, which, <laughs> you know, by most coaches' standards is not allowed anyway. But, um, you know, and, and the, our, this player was trying to do the right thing, whatever. But you could just see that it was causing a problem. And um, one particular game at halftime, coach is going over um, first half stats. And he called this player out about, you know, not controlling the boards. And we were getting killed. And, um, you know, and this player just basically zapped out yeah. and used probably, you know, 10, 11 different words that shouldn't, <laughs> I can't repeat on air and, and said, hey, man, you're, you're not allowing me to be me. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm 36 years old. I've been playing this game a long time. I'm set in my ways and this is what I need to get done. Yeah. And so um, I went and talked to coach and said, hey, coach, just let him do his thing. Yeah. And um he went outside, he smoked like two cigarettes, man. And I, I want to say he had like a quick beer too. He came <laughs> back that second half and had like 14 boards in the second half. Yeah, and tough. we ended up clawing our way back into the game because we controlled the tempo yeah. by controlling the boards and um, we won the game. Yeah. And I'll never forget that. To the to my end of uh, end of time. Listen, that's that's some Jackie Moon semi pro <laughs> stuff right there. That's nuts, man. But you know that's interesting too. I, just to wrap that up and bring it back to the beginning point, when we talked to our young buck about him going to the states and him playing, we we kind of reiterate the fact that it's going to be more than just you playing basketball, right? Like you're going to be in a locker room with those guys. You're going they're going to be teammates. They're going to be your brothers. You're going to have to learn to to fight through adversity with each other, disagreements, you know, like, you know, watching somebody struggle and having to pull them up. You might maybe not being the best player there that's like you are here and having to go through that. But that's what basketball does to you, right? It really makes you grow as a person on and off, like constantly in an uncomfortable position. So that, that pushes you. You know what's interesting about big men? Have you ever, have you ever, and I say this all the time with my guys, like, like big men, right? Have you ever met, and when I say smart, I'm just talking about basketball smart. Have you ever met a smart basketball, like a basketball IQ that was high and your guy was, let's say he's 6'9 and above in athletic? Like if you if you run into a, a, a big who has a high IQ basketball-wise, he's probably a pick-and-pop shooter, <laughs> probably can't jump over paper, but he knows the game. 
And he probably look at you like, man, you know, I, if I if only I had the athleticism that guy got. But then you run into a gazelle who got the 40, 44 inch vertical. And if you throw it to him on the block, you you only giving him one option because anything else, I mean, he going to trip over the ball. <laughs> am I am I out of line with that? Or is it like one of those stereotypes as as fact? Because I still don't know too many, man, like for real. Yeah. Yeah, you 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 pretty much just spot on with that. I know I know one or two guys that are like that. They're super athletic, um, big guys that have great basketball IQ. They're probably still um, playing too, aren't they? Uh well no, of course age has, you yeah. know, father time has has has, yeah. has been knocking on the door. But uh um yeah, I know a couple guys, but overall, um most of the the high IQ guys are the the lesser athletic guys, but yeah. they're more skilled. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, but again, that's kind of what um, we made, we touched on a little bit in the first episode. Um, is is that is that you, or is that a product of um, your high school environment when you're learning the game um, and and getting ready to move forward? Because you know, some of these things are, are taught. Because when I first went to uh, Temple, um, I was a gazelle. Um, I could run, jump. Um, I was tough. I could score, but man, I was super low on the IQ list. And, um, I didn't know until I got there, you know? And so, um, and for all you people that want to see a coach is telling the truth, I'm on his IG page, coach JK 14. You can see some of those, those pictures where he got some bounce. He got the wild high top fade, (laughs) like, like he, uh, Kwame and, and the short shorts, but you know, he valid though. He's valid. Um, so, you know, I, I, so I don't want to condemn every big guy, big yeah. fella out there, but, um, you know, but it's just, you know, as it, even with the rec league, the grassroots basketball, if you're the tallest player on the floor, yeah. even if you have a little skill, most people are going to put you under the basket and just yeah. say, Hey, just get your hands up high and, yeah. and rebound and, um, and go back up for layups yeah. instead of, uh, continuing to develop your natural skill. Yeah. So, um. So I'm not going to put that on the big fellas completely, yeah, but can put, you, for sure. but that is a great point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting too, right? And you know that also goes back and talking about, and that's not I don't even think this is one of those topics, but talking about how do you build basketball IQ? Like one of the biggest things because I I think I like to think that I have a pretty solid basketball IQ, right? And when I look back at it, and I'm like, yo, how does that how does that come about? Like I wasn't like reading a book about it or something, but my mom, my mom had me watching. We, my mom would sit and we could watch twelve hours straight of basketball. And I'm talking basketball from the women's side, WNBA. Um, you know, we were watching T Spoon. We were watching Lisa Leslie, Merle Page. Like we was watching all of Nikki Teasley, Elana Griffith, Tisha Pinatero, Sue Bird from the beginning. Like we was watching all of those from the beginning, and then we will watch college all day. And we'll watch college when she, with uh, Pat Summit, rest in peace, when she had those girls going crazy. Um, we were watching everything, Notre Dame, when they had Ivy and Ruth Riley. And then we'll watch men's all day, all day. And then we'll go to the gym and she's sitting there watching me. And we're just watching basketball all day. Like, people don't watch enough basketball. Like, that's, that's where your IQ lacks, all right? And especially now, people think they're watching basketball because they can go on IG and watch videos. Like, that ain't it. I would, I know, I remember in high school and even in college, before games, 
sometimes just to get me going, I'd watch old highlights. And it would always be the same people. It would be old highlights of Kobe, old highlights of AI, and old highlights of, uh, of, of Penny. Just watching them, just watching how it moves and sometimes. And sometimes I'll go back into like a Stacey Augman or somebody like that because you'll mention it. Um, but you just got to watch more basketball, right? Like that's part of you. And I shout out to Mom Dukes for that because she made sure we watch. We used to sit and watch Little League Baseball and tennis all day too. And I love tennis, man. I love tennis. But just watching it just gets you there. And and see, and you know, and uh, shout out to Moms too because uh, she allowed me to uh, – to, to to coach you guys without uh, any interference, unlike some of the other parents in that area. Um, but, you know, you know, she she took what you were saying literally. You know, you said you want to be a basketball player. So she sat you down and said, OK, you want to be a basketball player? This is what you got to do. Mm-hmm. You got to watch how other people play, um, not just the greats, but some of the other um, you know players on teams that are just role players. Yep. And, um, you know, and you you picked up a love for the game and um, and became a student of the game. And, um, you know, that's one of the main reasons why you were one of the youngest players on our state championship team in a in a very, very vital role for us um, in the starting five. And, um, you know, you could do a little bit of everything. And that's not only because of your skill set and your size, but because you had an understanding of each position. Yeah. And, um, you know, and you didn't have an ego and allowed, um, you know, Coach Thomas to coach the team. Yeah. And and yeah. And, and do what's best for the team. And so, uh, mm. you know, the, these guys today coming up, you know, there's too many highlights floating around out there. Yes. You know, that yes. is not watching basketball. Yeah. Um, of course, you want to have, you always want to see some highlights because they're exciting. Yeah. But watching a game and getting a chance to see somebody play um, and, and have a highlight play one moment, but then have a low light play the next. Mm-hmm. But the, the key is how do they rebound from that low light? Right. What, what do they consistently do that makes their team successful or makes them successful? Mm-hmm. That's when you're actually watching basketball. Yeah, no, that's fact. And that's, you know, that's fun to hear. And like what that does is for those coaches and trainers and, and just, you know, mentors for young kids, those people who flood those timelines or, you know, they just spend time Maybe they're like a fitness trainer and, and they just figure um, I, you got to get the burn and the sweat doing these type of drills. But these drills are pointless, but they're flashy. Right. And you got these kids doing these things and making them think that they're um, getting better or all these things. And then it comes to people like us who actually played, who actually understand that, you know, you got to have a foundation of fundamentals. Now, one player that's ever been great at this game did not perfect those fundamentals first before they moved on to the next, right? So you're not going to come to Hoop Mountain and we're not going to show you how to do some crazy dribbling where you bounce the ball off your head at the same time that you dribble the ball with your knee or something like that because you're never going to be able to use that in the game. And then second, you won't have that opportunity in the first place because basketball is, is chess, right? Like you got to take into account so many other different things, you know, but you know that brings me to a point to where we talk about basketball IQ, right? Basketball by excuse me, fumbling over the words, but basketball IQ um, is something that not every player has, right? And that's including your best player, right? So, like, I've been in positions to where I was the best player on the team, 
And then I've been in positions to where I wasn't the best player on the team, right? Like I transitioned to where, like for, oh, that natural progression from high school to college, right? To where, you know, you were the man on campus. Now you're here and there's already two or three big dogs who've been doing it before you got here anyway. So you got to wait your turn and you got to go from that, that pup to that wolf. But you got to take your time there. And like that dynamics, like knowing, all right, I'm not the best player anymore. And then switching to it, like how did you, as a player, not as a coach, but how did you take to that? Like how was that for you? Um, let me just say for every player out there, um, it is a challenging transition um, because you really got to humble yourself and, um, and, and, and make sure that, uh, you know, you, you put your ego aside and do what's best for the team. And, um, you know, I, I'll be honest, going from high school to college, my, my main concern was winning a national championship. Right. And I wanted to do whatever I could to help um, our team win a national championship. And so um, it was easy um, to to fall in line and, and, and get in a certain position on the team, whether it be um, in the rotation, or out of the rotation, um, because every day in practice tells you the story right there. If you're getting your head smacked in by somebody that's completely bigger, stronger, faster, smarter than you, I mean, that's putting you in your place saying, I, got, I have a lot to learn. I have a lot of growth ahead of me. And, um, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a humbling moment, um, and it's, and it's hard some nights, but when you look at the overall goal, um, um, it's, you're, you're there to win. Yeah. And, um, you know, those guys have been there before you, um, they're seasoned, more experienced, um, uh, naturally that makes them smarter and naturally they've been there before you They're, that makes them, you know, uh, more physically ready than you in most cases. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, and if they're good guys, like, you know, the guys that I had at Temple, yeah. they were leaders on and off the court. So, you know, you felt a sense of brotherhood and you were the little brother. Yeah. And um, yeah. and you you take that and you say, you know what, I have to do whatever I can to help big brother win this thing. For that's, a, that's a blessing, too. Right. That's something that that's profound right there. Like. As an OG, as somebody who's been there, like for you not to be selfish, because you play with guys that are lottery picks, like you, the OG Eddie Jones, right? Like, you know, thankful for him. He was my my um, favorite player all times, first OG, him and Van Exel, um, when he when Kobe got to the Lakers the first time, right? So, like, you play with, like, legendary guys, you know? So, like, for them to understand that, you know, these, I'm only as good as the, my teammates. So I know I'm the big dog, but I got to make sure I bring them along as well. It's important. I think, um, for me, my biggest transition was in high school or, and even in prep school to a, to an extent, like I was a, a, one of the better players, if not the best player. And for me, I didn't only assume that role on the court, right? Off the court. I was solid too, right? Like, you know, in the community, in high school, um, on campus, anywhere I went, I was, you know, I was, I was just, my personality, I was just around different groups, you know. I was always in the AP classes, all those good things, great student, blah, 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 every little club, all the teachers want to talk to me about things, whatever. So I made sure that I carried that same type of leadership off the court. What I had to learn 
And I think what some people need to know is that even though you're not the best player, that doesn't diminish your skill set, right? That's just letting you know that you have an anchor to let you know where you need to be working towards next, right? Because it's a new level. Because you're not the best player doesn't mean you're not nice anymore, right? And some of those things I always understood that, like, as a leader, you can only tell somebody something if you're doing it yourself, right? So, like, even to this day, if I talk to Ethan and I'm like, yo, Ethan, we got to get this done, this, this, and this. I expect you to do this, this, and that. He knows that I expect the same thing from myself and that I'm going to push that same thing from myself. The kids the same way. So, for me, I was, like, programmed to do that even when I got to college. So, I had to see, like, all right, where can I see fit? Because you don't want to, you don't want to like dim your own light, and that way you don't like you can't progress the right way. So I had to like okay, kind of like I did when I was in as a sophomore. I was like, we got we got three, four all state guys. We got guys that's gonna do things the right way. So coach said they need somebody to be a defensive stopper. He needs somebody that's gonna guard the best player on every team, every game, and make them have the toughest night. I'm gonna do that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it well, right? And everybody knew they could count on me for that. So in my own light, I'm a star in that role. And so I did the same thing going to college and going to prep school. And, you know, I do my thing off the court. I get my extra shots in and all those things. But, you know, you got to earn. Sometimes you could be the best player, but you're not the player that everybody leans to when it's at a time of uh, distress, right? So I kind of learned that sometimes – because you're not the best player skill-wise, doesn't mean you aren't the most important player and you still got to be who you are and, you know, and steadfast in that. And I think what helps with that is basketball IQ as well, like understanding and knowing what's going on, right? That's big time. And I and I thank you. I thank you. I thank moms. I thank Coach Thomas, Coach Vest on Team Takeover. Like those guys, you guys like gave – oh, Uncle Roe. And my Aunt Lisa, they, they gave me the foundation to where you see things a little bit different. Um, how was your, how do you deal with that as a coach, though, right? To where your best player, right? Like your best player offensively, say as a pro, your best player offensively, like the one who's going to be the one that has to get going, you can only give him one responsibility, right? You like, look, I, I need you to get 25, 30 tonight. But you know the heart of the team is somewhere else, right? But how do you balance that? Because, you know, every as an adult, as a pro, everybody is paying attention to how you talk to everybody. You know, I mean, even as a young, and I, I know t- when we had our um, co-curriculum class at Arbor, there were 18 kids in there. One of, the, one of the little girls said, so who's your favorite here out of everybody? Right. And, you know, they don't, they don't ask it that blatantly as adults anymore, but all of them are looking to see, who is his favorite, right? So how do you blend that? Because sometimes your best player isn't your best leader. Well, it, when it comes to professional level, it's a little easier um, because uh, you're in a situation where you're getting paid to play. And you got to have, if you're a professional and you're getting paid to play, you got to have the understanding that um, I'm getting paid to do a certain job. And as a coach, you got to, you know, make sure you, um, um, you give that player um, his or her direct responsibilities and, 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 and tell them what your expectations are. And, um, you know, your, your pay scale kind of, you know, dictates what your level of responsibility is, you know, and, um, you know, if you don't have an understanding of that, then you're, you're still, um, 
maybe you're still a little bit, a little uh, immature, or maybe you're a little inexperienced in terms of being a professional. And, um, you know, on the professional level, everybody has a role to play and you have to play that role um, as best as possible. And, um, you know, as a coach, you know, you, when you direct, you know, uh, your philosophy or um, your instructions to the team, everything is generalized basically. Um, unless it's a certain team where you have um, uh, a, a different, how can I say, a different relationship with that team. If you have a, if you have a relationship with your team, that's, um, you know, on and off the court and, um, you know, these guys are tough minded. You can you can probably a little be a little harsher in your terms and in, 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 in what you're saying. But um, until you get a chance to know everybody on the professional level, everything that you say will be in general terms. And, um, you know, hopefully you've had those conversations outside of the team with each player where they understand, oh, he's definitely talking about me mm-hmm. um, because, uh, you know, it's, it's not a situation where you want to um, in the heat of the battle where you want to, you know, bring up um, a conflict of, uh, of, of interest in terms of what players supposed to be doing what and what's right, expected right. of them. Makes sense. I get some backlash. So on on the high school level, right, or the college level, do you delegate some of that to your assistant coaches? Because I know, um, I I know you used to wild out on me, and then I get pulled to the side, and you know, Coach Hay or Coach Jones will talk to me, or even in high school in college, you know, my coach. He he knew he couldn't really say anything to me because I wasn't listening at certain times. So he was like, he's like, oh, I'm just sick of him. Go go down there and talk to Melvin, right? And that was before we grew up, where I grew up, and and we kind of had a better understanding. And and the assistant coach would, would sit and we'll talk, and we'll be like, and he'll be like, look, this is what he's trying to say. Because I think too, like, you know, as much as we're learning and growing, I feel like coaches are learning how to talk and communicate with us because every every four years is a completely different generation of people that's coming in right so like and then you take in a cultural background so like do you delegate some of those things to your staff you have to there's no way a head coach can run the program and and take care of everything to the best of his ability um you know if you don't have a good staff that will be able to um feed off you and and um and take care of some of the areas that you may not be um, 100% in, then you're, you need, you need to pick a new staff. Yeah, right. uh, that's just that's bottom line. Uh, you know, when, true. when a player comes out of the game, a coach is busy managing the game. Uh, he or she doesn't have time to, to go and talk to each individual player as they come out in terms of what they did wrong, um, what mm-hmm. they, and what they need to do. That's your assistant's job. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And let me say, uh, shout out to our coach back in Harrisonburg. He is, he is a, a great guy. Um, great family. His wife Regina is amazing. He has a young daughter that is going to be a stud in softball and basketball too. Um, I I applaud him for for working with me through through my uh, you know hard headed stages, um, and and that turned into a, a great great relationship there. Uh, when I get back to the states, I'll definitely be visiting campus and showing some love. Um, but what What's interesting there is we got to, when you talk about best players and players on the team, what you got to also do is, is like manage confidence, right? I know some coaches 
they spend a lot of time berating or, or yelling and, and, and giving people different um, different reactions to different things. You know, some coaches sub you out as soon as something goes wrong. Um, some coaches really don't even give you the opportunity to do things. Um, you know, they kind of stump your growth and don't allow you to be uh, creative on the court. And, you know, that's what builds you as a player. But but how how do you as a coach go about building confidence in a player? Um, you know, just consistently, um, commending a player when, when he or she does well, um, and, you know, correcting them when they, when they mess up on certain things. Um, but, you know, uh, a player will, will do whatever needs to be done for the team if you allow them to, to have room for mistakes sometimes, um, you know, if, if you you want a player to, to have confidence, which every coach does, um, you know, you have to build them up, you know, from the from the uh, ground up and, and say, hey, you know, you can do this right now. Um, but if you do it this way, um, you can do it even better and you can add more things to your game and things like that. And so it's it's taking the time to to get to know each player and their strengths and weaknesses. Because if you don't know that, then how are you ever going to build confidence in that player? That player needs to know going into each game what he or she can do um, to the best of their ability and what they what they have trouble with. Mm -hmm. And so whatever they have trouble with, you as a coach, you have to make sure they're not put in those positions that often. Um, you want to make sure that they're in the, the most successful environment so that way that player can do the things that they they do best mm -hmm. and uh, practice um, with the team. And outside of um, practice with the one on ones is when that player works on his or her weaknesses uh, and therefore building the confidence in order to do that during the game. Yeah. See, that's interesting, too, because. I, I don't think all players, I mean, all players have player development coaches in their programs, or at least maybe not good ones, so to speak. But like, when you think about the difference between player development in the off season and during the season, right? I remember um, coming into every summer, no matter where I was at, it was always, all right, you had the summer to work on what you wanted to work on to get better at, right? So if it's if it's not right by the time you get here, don't come here giving me new tricks and stuff like that. When you get into the gym today, if you didn't have Pat last year and all summer you've been working on that in and out cross behind the back, those spin moves and that step back, it better be good. And you better show me in that first two, three months in open gym or when we get back to the gym, you're going to work on what I need you to work on. Right. So like. For players, your personal time to get better and add on new things so your coach can now have confidence in you. Because that's another thing, too. Your coach has to have confidence in you. We talk about a coach building confidence for a player. You as a player got to make sure your coach can trust you. Like, you got to make sure that that you know, that he knows when you get out there in the court, you're going to give him something, right? My uncle always says this, I, I want those for certain things. I want to know for sure what I'm going to get out of you. I know for sure when Joe Blow get off the bus, he giving me 10 boards. He might give me five fouls, but I know for sure I'm getting 10 boards, right? So, like, what are you making sure you have when you get off the bus? Like, you making sure you're that defender. You're making sure you can count on this, you know? And I know um, 
for us you used to always have me working on what was what I needed to get better at on the hour outside of practice right that we always had player development in practice as a team everybody was doing workouts as a team but those extra things that you're really really weak at and you want to get better at you got to make that extra effort and do that for an hour or so after practice you know but I would say it's also your responsibility as a player to make sure that your coach has confidence in you so he can make sure that when it's time to look down that line, he can say, all right, I can count on him too. But what are, um, you know, that's, that's, that's physical tools, right? Like that's you saying, all right, I'm going to teach you how to do the left or right crossover and then get into a jump stop pump fake and do all these different things, you know, teach you some reverse pivots and mid post things. You know, we worked on all those, but we also talked about how that's half the battle, right? So what mentally, right? Cause we've been around people who mentally didn't have it. I mean, we talked about, you know, PG on the first podcast where I think he has the tools to be, you know, top three in the league, but mentally it's just something different there. Right. So like as a coach, where do you put, or like what type of tactics do you use to help somebody who's mentally holding themselves back, but they already got the tools? Um, again, it all comes back um, to knowing your players. You know, how can you help somebody, whether it be physically, um, mentally or whatever, um, if you don't get a chance to know them? You know, physically is a little easier because those are things that you can outwardly see. Mentally, um, those are things that you have to talk about mm -hmm. and you have to get that player to open up about certain things. You need to ask the right questions. Yeah. Um, so that player has the opportunity to open up, um, you know, because someone could have a, a, a mental block for something such something so easy as, you know, they don't like playing on the left side of the floor, yeah. you know, and you got to put them on the right side to open up, open up their game a little bit. And then as you open up their game and they're feeling good about themselves, then you can gradually move them to the left side where you can do other things there. But um, it all comes down to um, and it is hard, and trust me, coaches, I know that it is hard because you don't have a lot of time, but you have to find the time um, and the way to to get to know what makes each player tick and that's that's why you should surround yourself with uh, a good um, assistant staff mm -hmm. and um you know and, and and get to know what's going on with each of your players because mentally um you know we've seen some players who have the talent like you said as pg-13 but there's something going on there that you myself and Doc, no one knew what was right. going on. And um, somebody's got to take the time to, to figure out what, what it is. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I, and I'll take a quick moment just to talk about Kevin Love. You know, who would have known until maybe a year ago that Kevin Love was dealing with depression? Right. You know, he's a millionaire. Right. He's, a, he's an all-star. He's, he's a champion. Um, but no one had an idea that he was dealing with those types of issues. And, um, and he coming forward allowed other players to come forward and, and talk about their issues. And, and so now you say, oh, okay, now I see why this person may have had a lapse in judgment during a certain game um, right. or something like that during the season. Right. And you know what's crazy is um, some of those people, when they look at people, look at athletes, look at basketball players or, or coaches or whatever, um, 
they don't think that those type of instances affect them on the court, right? Like you have those coaches that that want you just to completely avoid your traumas as a person and think that it doesn't dictate how you play on the court. Right. Like, you know, you've heard that, that saying that you have to uh, separate personal from business and all that stuff like who, you can't do that. You really can't do that. Right. Some people can take themselves out for like 30, 30 minutes, 45 minutes or whatever and put them in a, a zone completely or they just find some different things to latch on to. But who you are off the court is who you are on the court as well. Like that's that same body. Maybe you create another persona or something, but like what's affecting you? It's always going to be something that you have to deal with, right? Either you attack it head on, right? I mean, like even Kobe, like, you know, he had to figure out how he was going to deal with his emotions. And he was able to figure that out on his own. And, you know, that that brings a black mama about. And so now he can excel. But everybody doesn't have that same type of mental toughness, right? So, like, you know, the coaches to tell you. And some of those former players that turn into coaches, they expect a player to be just as they were. Right. And that's when those limitations come or, um, you know, some of the the older generation of you guys, you tell us to just tough it out. You tell us to just tough it out and, and just and just push through. Right. Without us going through and actually without us actually going through and, and figuring it out um, with some assistance. You'd be like, yo, just just be tough. Just be tough about it. Just go ahead and push through. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, all right. But what about the fact that we got to. um you know, we got to sit and address those things, right? Like if I'm, if I got a one hour, I'm playing basketball, but for 23 hours I'm at home, you know, lights are out, you know, like, you know, it ain't nothing I ain't. Some people can't eat at home. Some people are going back to battered households and all those other things. And you sitting there and tell them that basketball needs to be the number one thing in their life, right? Like you got to make it a different push. So, you know, I think that's interesting. But on a on a simpler note, right? What do you do, like, tactical-wise? Like, give it, like, hard examples because there are coaches just listening. So, like, I remember from when um, my first game-winning shot, it was on a night to where I was, like, 3 foot 12. Like, I hadn't made a shot all night. I was I probably couldn't hit the side of a barn door or something like that, right? But you called up the play for me. And our best player, who was probably, probably double-teaming him all night, that night, EJ, our best player was our decoy, and and I was the one that you called my number for. And, you know, inevitably I hit the shot, right? And that takes my confidence to a whole nother level. But what type of things like that did you do for coaches out there who are looking for some tricks of the trade? Um, first, uh, you know, in, in terms of building confidence in in um, a particular player or your, player, your team as a whole, um, everything that we do is uh, peer-related, um, you know, you know, there's got to be certain drills, certain certain um, um, games that you can play within practice that um, allow everybody to be on the hot seat, so to speak. Um, and, you know, when that person is on the hot seat, whether they are they're uh, percentage wise, um, they have a, a, a greater opportunity of success or a lower opportunity of success. You know, as a coach, you want to see how the other ones, the other, the other players gather around that player to support that player, um, you know, success or fail. And, you know, those are things you have to throw into practice um, probably every day um, in order to build your team um, in terms of confidence as a whole. You don't want to um, be in a situation where 
you know, you're talking about late game tactics, um, you know, situ certain situations where you're only relying one or two people because you never know who's got to be the next man up. Um, so so every situation that you can come up with that is the least favorable situation for your team to be successful. Every player on your team needs to be in that situation. Yeah, true, true, true. I mean, I remember times in practice where you say, you know, we don't win. Practice isn't over until so-and-so gets a stop. Right. We playing all day. And on the other end, if I'm on the opposite team and so and so got to get the stop, I'm going to him every time and I'm scoring on him every time. Right. So those those things are fun. And then that's how you create the competitiveness. I think that's one thing, too, in the UAE that we're trying to create. Right. A basketball culture, for one, to where people understand that it's more than just, you know, the game on the court, but it's something bigger than that off the court. But then, man, like a real competitive fire. Right. Like a real competitive fire, some pride into yourself and, and how you want to be seen as a player. But, you know, a confidence is a huge part of it. You know, we haven't met a lot of players that have genuine confidence here. Right. Just like real confidence, not confidence that's, you know, masking some insecurities, but real confidence. But you know, I think I think that's a good note to end it on, you know, especially it's still early in the afternoon here. I'm about to head to the gym and, you know, I'm feeling great because I've been torching, torching coach every Saturday when we play with our college guys. Um, we finally get, we don't get to play much, but when we do, I torch him. I, I remind him old time that it is a wrap. <laughs> it don't matter if we play a three on three half court. We play a full court. And mind you, I'm not in, I'm not in the best of shape yet. But once I get my legs back under me, you probably going to go from getting one win to zero. Cause right now you're only getting one. And that's if I sit out. Well, I mean, can we give the whole story? That is no, I mean, you, we're, we're, you talking about, we're talking about a lose. You we're, lose. we're talking about a, an ongoing process here where ongoing you've had process. a couple, you've had a couple good weeks. I've had a couple good we've weeks. We've only been playing for three weeks. We've, we've been, a couple. We've been, we've been playing been, five weeks. I've been torching you, champ. We, no, you're forgetting on. about week two when I hit the game went on you to end the night and I, you were upset. You we, wouldn't talk to me for like three hit. days. Look, it, the crazy part of that is he took four losses that night. <laughs> he took four losses, right? This the last game. And I, you know, the last game is, you know, the, the last one everyone remembers. He took four losses that night. But it's okay, because you ever since then, it's been murder she wrote. For all of you, all of you guys out there that have that know me. You know that I not only play, but I'm teaching at the same time. So this is this is the excuse because you know now I'm a, I'm not a pay for play guy, right? I'm here teaching as well. You know I got some guys that I'm trying to teach, but I'm making sure I torch you while we do it though. So for anybody that wants to come out and see Coach King get torched, because I I'm one that loves crowds. We can't really have a big crowd because of Corona, but you know. We can we can show you something. You see some videos. Maybe we'll have Ethan start to record them soon, so they can see you getting lit up. You know, I've been. There really isn't. Uh, I've been trying to keep the game locked because there's really not a coach in the UAE that can mess with me either. They they really ain't, and that's and it's gonna start showing even more. But we'll we'll let people see soon. You know, everybody that's in the UAE, you know, Hoop Mountain Dubai. We're here. We're here to stay. Come join us. Come check out Coach King and I. If when when we can take our mask off <laughs> and we can talk to people um surely and hopefully in the next couple of months, inshallah, we will, you know, come talk to us. Come say hello, come chat. Um, even if you aren't coming to join the program and you just want to say something to us, come talk. 
We are friendly. We'll love it. Uh, for those people that are interested, hoopmountain.ae, hoopmountain.dxb is our Instagram handle. Um, you can follow the podcast at Bridging the Gap underscore on face, I mean, on Instagram. And we have a Facebook page as well. Um, our YouTube, Bridging the Gap. Like, comment, subscribe. Um, we have some more things coming for you here in the future. It's going to be fun. We have Hoop Mountain merchandise coming soon. I'll be designing with our new logo. Check out our new uh, uniforms that we have on our Instagram page as well. Um, Coach, what you got for the, the post-game wrap-up? Um, in terms of uh, you know players joining a team and you not having the same role that you may have had the year before, um, just remember this. Um, you know, try your best to do whatever um, task that the coach coaching staff has for you and concern yourselves with the success of the team, because if the team wins, we all win. Love one of um, I'm going to I'm going to borrow from one of my bigger inspirations in life. Um, the late, great Nipsey Hussle. It's a marathon, right? Everybody. You run your race at your own pace, all right? Don't, you know, they say pride is is birth of comparison. It's not real. It's just you comparing your situation to someone else, right? So just worry about running your race at your own pace. All that matters is that you finish. It doesn't matter if your, your race takes an hour, if it takes two hours, or if you finish in five minutes. That's what's for you. So, you know, continue to push on that marathon. Find a pace that's best for you. And run at that pace and just make sure you finish. Um, we're signing off, episode three. Thank you guys. We'll be back next week with more of what you'd like to hear. It's Bridging the Gap Podcast. Take care, baby.